Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. As e-com evolves, revenue is becoming less meaningful than another metric, your profit. It's not just about revenue when rising ad costs and tight margins are at play. Enter Store Hero, your new ally in turning profit-centric visions into reality. By bringing together your sales, marketing, and operational costs, Store Hero provides a crystal clear view of your real profitability down to each order's contribution margin. Now, deciding on advertising budgets with confidence is within reach thanks to a platform that prioritizes profit over revenue. Eager to embrace a profit-first e-com journey? Visit storehero.ai to schedule a demo and unveil a platform built for the forward-thinking profit-first brand. And here's a special bonus for you. Mention the unofficial Shopify podcast during that demo. Get a free profitability audit for 2024. That's storehero.ai. I love it. You're like, uh, why does, why should anyone listen to this guy? Um, (laughs) (laughs) why? Maybe that's the intro. Just leave it like that. All right. You know what? We'll we'll use this. We'll keep it raw. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're Jacques Spitzer, Raindrop Agency. But like the thing that people would recognize you for, of course, is, is your work, is your, your client deliverable and, uh, it's, you had a number one YouTube video. You had a, uh, a, a Super Bowl ad. Give me something someone yeah. might recognize that your agency produced. You know, I think the, th- the, the, I would say the four or five ads that people are like, oh, that one or you know, something of that sort is, you know, for the, for the about seven years uh, span, we created almost every single ad that create that. Dr. Squatch created. Um, so if you've seen a golden haired angel looking man named James Schrader with long blonde hair um, on your YouTube television, meta, pretty much every single channel, I think they even do some Twitch stuff. Um, bottom line is, is, is we created those uh, ads. And so I would say most men know those ads. Most women know our ads. Uh, the last two and a half years, we've been doing a lot of work with native. So any of the, the ads f- that have like the centaur in them, um, any of the mythical uh, variety creatures, uh, those are all native. Um, we did a, a famous ad for Lumi, which is a whole body uh, deodorant with the founder um, that scaled to, you know, hundreds of millions of views as well. Um, Laundry Sauce is a, a, a brand that we are, we've helped incubate and create from the beginning. Um, in terms of the brand, and a lot of people are seeing those ads as well. They're just all fun. They're disruptive. They're different. Uh, so you you've generated how many views? You know, at this point, I mean, probably one point five billion, something like that. Um, but more importantly, we we've generated over a billion dollars in revenue for our clients. It's you know, first seven eight years, we were building something great, 
And then we had our breakouts and then we've gotten opportunities to just keep making hits. So, you know, one Super Bowl commercial led to another, which is now probably going to lead to another. You know, it's just that's how it all works um, in terms of opportunities. Clearly, there we have we've established you as the expert. Your commercials, they feel like short films. They're these short vignettes. They're extremely cinematic. Um, They look big budget. They look just have extraordinary production values. Beyond just the polish, like, yeah, I, I could throw money at it. What is the secret sauce here? So essentially where we start is, and where most brands don't start. So where most brands start is they say, this is what I want people to know about. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want my ad to be about. And then they go and they create a script and they shoot it and they put it out there. Whether it's high budget, low budget, doesn't really matter. It's just that's their approach. I mean, you get a brief. It's like the brief's done. That's it. What we did with these brands, um, and, and we bake it, we we have a full process that we do that some brands invest in, or even if they don't, if it's just like a project, we still have to do this work to do our job well, is we figure out what is the consumer's why. Um, and so there's, you may have heard of Simon Sinek say, hey, um, you know, you need to know your brand's why. And that's not untrue. It's just incomplete. And so we had this like working theory right before we started working with Dr. Squatch. We're like, well, people don't really buy your why as a brand. They buy their own why. And so we got really into this thing called self-expressive benefits. You can Google it. It's really interesting. It's like everything I buy, everything I do or don't do says something about who I am, who I believe I am, who I believe I'm becoming. And if you do the work to figure out what those things are, you can just mirror it back to people. Right. It's like that's the first step in all of this is like creating what we call the moment in the mirror. Um, And so in a lot of the like in all of our work, that's something that we do. And we also, I think, do a good job because we've tested so many of those over the years. And we know that some of them just don't matter as much emotionally to people as others. Right. Some things that you would think would really matter, like just don't. And one of those things is like going greener, being carbon neutral. Like everyone loves that, but like it doesn't sell as hard as you think it would, even though it's such an obvious self-expressive benefit. Um, Then once we have that and you talked about the style of the ad, we think to ourselves, how do we take that? all of these things that are self-expressive about the consumer and create a context in which they will actually want to spend time with us, right? We haven't written a word yet. We haven't written any scripting yet. There's no unique selling propositions yet. You know, it doesn't explain what the product does. It's just like, what is this concept and world that we are building? So we build the worlds, we pitch the concepts. Sometimes this is confusing to our clients because they're like, but where's the script? And we're like, we're not there yet. Right, we we put already put a hundred hours of work into brainstorming where and how this message could come through, but there's no script yet. And then we write the script and we make sure that every you know it's like there is a formula to attention where we're like, I mean, if you watch a Mr. Beast video, there's a formula to attention. There's a reason that 20 minutes go by with his content. Like he knows how to shoot and edit content. We just know people are on the internet to waste time to learn something new or to laugh. That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, or do something illicit, illegal or whatever else. Um, You know, so knowing that we're creating advertising that is more compelling than the thing that you were about to watch anyway. And if that's what you're doing, you will win. And that's why we've won. 
is that we just keep trying to make ads that are better than the thing that you were about to see anyway. Doesn't matter the, the production value, to be honest. It's it's nice, but like it doesn't it doesn't have to be that. But I do think that production value keys someone mentally into, oh, this may be worth watching. And then it's a numbers game. You put it in front of a thousand people, the CPM, let's say you know, 15 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever. Does one out of a thousand people buy? Does two out of a thousand people buy? Does one out of 10,000 people buy? You know, even if it's a more expensive product, you put in front of 10,000 people, you're printing money. So that's how these brands have done that. And that's the, the, the formula. It starts with this insight and it goes through to action completion. So we start with customer research, customer persona development. Are How are we doing it? Are you going you know, surveys, phone interviews, reviews, just asking the brand what they think? You know, it's funny because um, there are times where people have sort of the wrong self-expressive benefits or maybe the wrong perception. I think what's interesting is as an outside partner, you know, as an agency coming in, we, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, like we have, you know, we've developed brand identities for almost a hundred brands. Like we have so much rich history of understanding what works and what doesn't. So when you try and do it by yourself, where I think most people go wrong is they just, they just ask the consumers directly, right? Or they uh, don't involve other partners or perspectives to help them navigate it. And so what they end up with is like very skewed information. Um, uh, let me give you, let me give you like an example. Okay. So laundry sauce, I mentioned them earlier, we helped them launch. And I think one of the questions I always ask people is like, what are you really selling? What are you really selling? Most people, they stop digging at unique selling propositions. What I mean is if you haven't looked up laundry sauce, so I'll give paint the example. Laundry sauce is a very uh, premium, almost luxurious fine fragrance laundry detergent and now a, a full, full laundry experience that is you know average order value is over a hundred dollars right like this is not um, in comparison to you know your average laundry detergent it is it is very expensive nothing like it existed before this what most people see is they go oh well that's that's expensive laundry detergent um, that makes me feel like if I would use it I would feel fancy I would feel like I'm YOLOing. I'm living my life to its fullest. I've made it. Like when you look at the self-expressive benefits on a, you know, on a simple like level, that's usually where people stop. So if we sent out a survey, I guarantee you people would, what they would tell you is I like the way it makes my clothes smell. I like the, you know, I like the box. I like, um, it makes me feel accomplished maybe at like at best. It, it and it's it's not tapping into wh why do, why does this matter? Because I was talking to my mother in law who absolutely loves the product, and it was it was fascinating to me because she actually said the thing that I'm like that's that's what it that's what the insight is, but I didn't think that anyone actually would consciously arrive there. She said I've been doing laundry for over seventy years. It's the first time I felt any joy doing my laundry. And I was like, there it is. That's it. That's what this product sells. It takes a mundane task and gives you a pinch of joy. And that's what Dr. Squatch does with their soap. That's all it is. It, yes, it gives it get you clean. Yes. Is it all natural? Yes. But like it gives you 
joy in a mundane experience and a thing that you're going to have to do anyway. And I was like, bingo, that's it. So before we even launched the brand, we're like, that's the goal is how do we make people feel joy in a mundane experience? Because now that's the difference between a chore and self-care. So our, our magic here is we have to know what the benefit is, what the, the end consumer is getting out of it, but it can't be superficial. And ideally, we want this emotional connection. You, you, need, you need the emotional connection. Okay, we have to have it for this to work as like a short narrative adventure in selling. Hey, Shopify sellers, listen up. Get ready to unleash your creativity with the brand new landing page builder from Zipify Pages. This isn't just Zipify's biggest update ever. It's a revolution in building Shopify store designs. Say goodbye to clunky designs and hello to total customization. With Zipify's new builder, you're the boss of every pixel on your site. Drag, drop, swap elements, it's all in your hands to craft the most effective layout for conversions. Zipify pages come straight from the founder of a $180 million e-com empire. These templates aren't just pretty, they've been tested in the arena with a nine-figure Shopify store. And it's easy to use. A few clicks in your product pages, marketing pages, blog pages, even your homepage will be looking sharp and conversion optimized for maximum sales. And because these templates are tested in a nine-figure Shopify store first, you know they actually work. So why settle for the standard when you can have a site that's uniquely yours? You could try Zipify Pages and their brand new builder for free for 14 days when you go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to try Zipify Pages for free. And if you tried Pages in the past and thought it wasn't for you, you owe it to yourself to try it again because the new Zipify Pages is a game changer. Zipify.com slash Kurt. Check it out. We're not even at concept for a commercial yet until we've uncovered this. We uncover this. Now what? You know, I think ultimately what we, what we do is we start assuming that you're trying to write a script or make a video out of it. Cause I think this to us applies to your website, copy your organic social account, your, I mean, everything in your brand, right? I want to be very clear. This is not like in order to make video, it's like, to make photography, to make anything. It's like, what is, what, what is this brand conveying? What are the emotions they're hitting that that's critical? Um, but in terms of actually writing a script, um, what we tend to do is we, um, we make sure that we map out what is, what is the story? You know, what is the story that we're trying to tell? Um, and we map it out in a way that I would say to some extent, there is some formula to it. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like there's not, uh, because there's just, I, I think the, I see a lot of people try to imitate stylistically, you know, aspects of, I'll call it, um, like edutational selling. Um, but I think if you look at, um, and I, I use this as an example, the 30 minute infomercial, like dominated television for years and years and years, this 30 minute format, you know, and you could almost realize even in it, you could realize the formula and yet you still wanted to watch the whole thing. Like I I remember watching those as a kid. I don't know about you, Kurt. I did not. (laughs) you never watched an infomercial. Oh my gosh. Not all the way through. Get like a few minutes. Then I'm like, Oh God. The problem is, is that I grew up with, 
with I didn't I grew up without cable, so like I was just like I'll take any content I can get. So did I. So you you never watch? Okay, so you're telling me you never watched like a Foreman Grill commercial or like anything like that where there's just like people demoing a product and you're just like, wow, that is really interesting. You never watched one. It has been a turn off my entire life. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Just because it's not something that we like, because I've had, I've been guilty of this. Like, okay, I don't really like that, that form of advertising. It can work very well, right? Like you can reach a lot of people quickly. And so um, I just, what I realized was that no one, you know, people were trying to recreate the same experience that someone was having through an infomercial, but in the internet era. It's because like kind of like gone are the days of the 30 minute infomercial. There are people that will watch them and buy off them. I don't, I mean, somewhere out there, people are doing billions of dollars in sales with infomercials. I want to be very clear. Like it's not dead. It's just, it's a different audience. Um, But the concept of the owner of the company and or Gordon Ramsay physically at retail stores in person demoing and explaining the product to everybody who walks in. You'd probably sell a lot of pans. You know, there's just something about that experience. You get the backstory, you understand the technology, you understand the passion behind it, the quality behind it. Right now you walk into a store and there's just a box on the shelf, right? Maybe there's some sort of end cap display. And so what I realized was that with your advertising, you can create a scenario in which case you've put this person in front of people on the internet and they get, they spend anywhere from two to three minutes with them and they get the opportunity to make that sales pitch. What, what the beauty of the internet is, is if 999 out of a thousand people don't buy, you don't experience the rejection in person of 999 people not buying. You don't feel those people not buying. What you, what you get the benefit of is the one out of a thousand that does. And I'm like, wow, that's that's the power of the internet. And so when when it comes to like, and then what? Like, I think we tend to think, okay, if someone spent a minute with us, two minutes with us, three minutes with us, what would we want them to know and walk away with, right? So that I don't want to make it sound like we'd never do that work, but that's where most people start. And I think that that's just the fundamental difference is if you don't have a lens to see it through, if you're not writing and attaching it to something entertaining, if you're just like, let me write the story and then figure out how to make it entertaining. That's where it just never, it's just hard to get it to where you need to get to. Um, And so we do write out the scripts. We make sure there's certain formulaic things we're looking for. Like if it is longer than a minute, we want to have a a first call to action somewhere within a minute. We want to, you know, there are some things in there that like, we want, we want to introduce the brand, you know, before 25 seconds. I mean, there's just things in there that you're like, all right, like we got to do because we know statistically if we don't, it just doesn't work. Um, and so we're looking at it through some formulaic lenses. But um, I would say you could also just study, like that's what we did was we just studied what was successful. We reverse engineered what's the formulas and then we did our best to write to them and then we created our own from there. But it's, I've found that original formulation. And I'm like, wow, this is still eerily similar. And I would argue that so is everything. The hero's journey, you know, right. uh, it's, it's like, it's all, there's all a formula to what humans like in terms of form, uh, storytelling. Yeah, there's only a handful of like story formulas that we work with. Um, so, well, you know, one thing I'm curious about is authenticity. Like authenticity mm-hmm. is this 
it's become kind of a, a goofy buzzword over the last 18, 24 months because of social media, because social media often, you know, feels so manufactured. And so we're just mm-hmm. desperate for something that feels real. When you have a highly polished, produced commercial, is does that feel inauthentic? And does the success of it, say, prove to us like, well, depending, you know, it all depends on context and maybe it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, you know, it's a good question. I would say a couple of things to that. One is, you know, I think that people get caught up in, they they certainly get caught up in production quality, meaning um, I don't think it's the thing that it's a spice. It's not a, a core ingredient. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that me and our team should creating something in our process with an iPhone is going to be better than giving the best camera in the world to a random production company and saying, make a great commercial. Right. I, I don't think it's a, a, it's a production quality thing. Um, I do think that production quality does inherently speak to people. Every brand has, unless it, you know, every brand has a, a variety of ways of reaching people, but if you can set the, expectation that this is a a great brand this is a trusted brand um you know you can take care of some of the objections and fears literally through the quality of the content alone um then you give yourself a chance to tell your story uh all of our brands for the most part are using UGC in their in their formulas but i would argue what what most of them don't have is a way to tell their story in a more highly produced way. And I look at, at um, AG1. I think they're a great example. Um, AG1 exploded onto the scene, you know, through really influencer marketing. So I was like, it was just everywhere during COVID. I just like, oh my gosh, another person sponsored by AG1, blah, blah, blah. But then I think where they really turned the corners of brand was when they started making their more highly produced commercials, putting them on connected television. And you start seeing these beautiful shots of the product and the, and everything else. And it's like, well, there, there, there's going to be a lot of competitors and a lot of the competitors are going to be way cheaper. And so, you know, now they're starting to make an expectation, set the bar. I think Mudwater has also done a, a similar path. If you watch what they've done, where it's like, especially with products that are going, like going in your body, you have to feel like you can trust them. They're supplemental, you know? And so seeing production quality, I think is just as much as seeing something on TV or seeing something in the Super Bowl or seeing something like it does validate at a very high level that this is a real company doing real things, but it's not like every ad you ever have to do has to be high quality. Um, okay. So I just want to make sure I'm, I'm making, no, I think that's a good explanation is yeah. It, visually it is shorthand for this is legitimate, but a hundred percent of everything does not have to have that quality. And you know, that shorthand for this is legitimate. If the content doesn't work, it's just, it doesn't work only now it was expensive, right? Like there's just a lot more effort involved. No, I want to, I want to do it. Cause I think something you just said is super interesting, which is I do believe you can work your way up to taking bigger swings. That absolutely is true. However, I also believe that it's really hard to hit a home run without taking a big swing. That's the biggest thing is people want, they're like, how can I de-risk this risky thing? And you're like, well, there are ways, but there's a reason it's risky, right? Like don't take the risk if you can't afford to, but a lot of people can, and they're just still scared. Um, 
on the other side of risk is potential big reward. And so when you shoot something at a higher quality and you, and you put this time and energy in, it gives you the opportunity to put that, that content. It's, it's now no longer just a, uh, a market piece. It's an asset. So you can always augment things to have them work. Maybe you open the ad with some UGC that works for you and then use some of the highly polished stuff, right? We call those mashups. Um, or it opens up a new channel for you. Oh, I've never really gotten anything to work on YouTube. Oh, I've never really gotten anything. I've never even had anything usable for connected TV that I felt really confident in, which I know it was where you're headed. Um, I always look at it as if you view it as an asset and not as just some big liability. Oh, it didn't work. It's, it's a waste of money. Turn it off. If that's the way you 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 experience it, it will be a waste of money, but it should be an investment in what you capture, your story, and also just the footage should be usable and reusable over and over again. Um, it's now an ingredient that your brand didn't have before. Well, so connected television is one of those things that I have wanted to talk about on this show for months to a year and have yet to do it because I didn't know who to talk to about it. And then you just brought it up organically. And of course you would know. Um, all right, I've got, you know, every wall in my house is plastered with with smart TVs and they all have streaming services. And like naturally my over-the-air antennas don't work on half of them. Um, so I have to do streaming services and on the free ones, they're, they're ad-powered. Those ads are very different often from what is on commercial television, like actual cable TV. And they often, they're, they're for DTC brands. And I'm like, this is many I've heard of. Like, I've seen Lumi on there. You mentioned Lumi. I've seen it. And the ad you described was founder face to camera cut with UGC. It was exactly what you just described. And that was on, that. that's connected TV. How are people getting, what is the platform? How are we getting ads on connected TV? Just brain dump, brain dump on me for three minutes about connected TV. <laughs> Let's just start with what does connected television even mean? Let me break it down. I'll break it down. I'll do my best to break it down real quick because connected television inventory is fascinating because you have Netflix now, which jumped onto the scene. You have YouTube television and you have Hulu. Those are all their own platforms. Closed circuit, that's where that ad inventory is. It's also, that's all more expensive ad inventory. So I just want to point that out. Your cost per thousand, your CPM, anywhere from low end, probably $30 all the way up to closer to like you know, I, people are complaining about the ones on on Netflix saying those those CPMs are like in the sixty dollars. I will tell you right now, tough CPMs, not a good like. I I don't know who's there, but where connect where our brands are winning on connected television is that when I thought of connected TV, what I immediately always thought of was oh, I thought of Tubi and like Fubo, and to your point, like Freebie. The, yeah, Pluto. Pluto is my favorite. Pluto. Like the things where I'm like, oh, yes, it's free ad supported stuff. I don't spend time there. I don't, I, I don't, I, I have YouTube TV. That's where I watch my TV. Like, so I, I was like, I'm not really getting hit with any CTV ads. And so my, my mindset went to like, well, is this for people that can't afford other things? Like who, who, who's reaching them? Let's say you have an MSNBC app. Let's say you have a CNN app or a Fox News app that you watch your, your news on, which a lot of people do um, watch it through the apps. Paramount Plus, your ESPN Plus, like all of these things where you can almost feel it when you're on the platforms to your point, like you get a different type of ad. And also you feel the you can feel it because there's not enough ad inventory being served. Like I was watching a, a game. I was watching my, my San Diego State Aztecs play. I was watching a game and it just kept getting served the same ads over and over again. And it was like and a lot of them were from ESPN. So I'm like, they don't have enough to serve me this is crazy like isn't it 
or it'll be like, oh, we'll be right back in 30 seconds. And it's just like a countdown with stock music on it. Exactly. Like, you, you There's really just like a find something to show me. Right. Right. So that's, that's how, that's how, what's interesting is that, you know, there are probably billions, but millions of impressions happening every day. And a lot of brands just don't know how to reach people. And the thing that's crazy, and this is when I said, what's mind blowing. Let's say you use a provider like mountain. You have the ability to remarket people that come to your site as long as you have an aspect of their IP addresses. So now you're not just like willy nilly showing it, you're showing it, you're remarketing basically your television ad to people on their televisions um, after they have visited your site. So that's one. That's just like low hanging, obvious places to be in front of them that are very high impact, high touch. But two, and this is where I, I was like, whoa, this is cool, is in Mountain, you can run cohort tests where you show the ads to people and they track those IP addresses. And then they also show the ads to people, or sorry, then they also don't show the ads to another cohort of people who are watching the same app at the same time. And they tag those IP addresses and then they go forward in time. And then over like a three month period, you can see the incremental lift of, well, this cohort ended up buying $30,000 worth of product. And this cohort ended up spending $350,000 worth of product, right? From us. So people will still find you and they'll still buy from you uh, online, but like you can actually see the incremental lift, which honestly brands need that to even understand how to use this top of funnel. Um, and I think a lot of the CPMs are under 20 bucks, 25, uh, 20, I've heard as low as like 18 bucks. So very comparable to, you know, somewhere between a YouTube and a, and a meta can be, you know, can really unlock new viewership or just a really great remarketing channel, um, for brands. And so, um, I, I don't know anyone who's taken CTV and said, this is my number one channel, right? I've seen people do that with linear TV. Um, I haven't seen that with CTV being like, this is my number one channel, but is it a great piece of the tool belt, especially for these brands doing, you know, 25 million plus? Yes. It's like a no brainer, at least on a remarketing. Absolutely. No, it sounds, it sounds like TV with like decent analytics and attribution. It, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, it really is. We we do have some clients who are crushing it with more traditional, um, you know, cable TV. Um, so that is different. Like when you do a linear TV ad, you know, your ad will go out and you can track it back to time periods. Whereas connected television is just always on. So if you're if someone's watching TV at two a.m. and they got remarketed, well, then they might get or at seven. You know, it it reaches them as a remarking piece whenever. Um, so they do work differently. Um, whereas like linear TV is like you bought this time in this space and it just indiscriminately goes to anyone who's watching the Hallmark channel at that moment. Crowdfunding campaigns are great. You can add social proof and urgency to your product pre-orders while reducing risk of failure. But with traditional crowdfunding platforms, you're paying high fees and giving away control all while your campaign is lost in a sea of similar offers. It can be frustrating. That's why we built Crowdfunder, the Shopify app that turns your Shopify product pages into your own independent crowdfunding campaigns. We originally created Crowdfunder for our private clients, and it was so successful, we turned it into an app that anyone can use. Today, merchants using Crowdfunder have raised millions collectively. With Crowdfunder, you'll enjoy real-time tracking, full campaign control, and direct customer engagement. And it's part of the Built for Shopify program, so you know it's easy to use. So say goodbye to high fees and hello to successful store-based crowdfunding. Start your free trial and transform your Shopify store into a pre-order powerhouse today 
Search Crowdfunder in the Shopify app store to get started. I want, you're talking about uh, connected TV, which feels, it's been around a while, but feels very futuristic, right? It's cool. Yeah. Are there other, and you've been doing this, what, 15 years now? 14, yeah. 14, all right. How do you see video content in general as having evolved over the last decade? That's such a big question. I will, here's what I'll say. I think the most disruptive piece of it is the vertical video component of consumption. Um, And the reason I say that is before in a single hour, so one hour of your time, it would be hard to watch more than two to three. Let's say say in one hour you see you watch one to two shows, right? How many commercial breaks are during those shows? Maybe we'll call it in an hour, we'll call it six commercial breaks. Maybe, I don't know, maybe four, maybe six. And during those commercial breaks, they show on average four to five ads. So in one hour, you can see about 20 ads, right? Um, total, that's, what, that's what's possible. When you're on YouTube, and I still think YouTube is probably the most undertapped opportunity period for brands. Um, for this reason, people are spending a lot of time there. Look it up. Do the math. Like, see how much time people are spending on YouTube. It is crazy. Uh, it's cross-generational. It's all the things. It does skew younger, of course. Um, ton of time being spent there. And the number of ads people are seeing per hour probably mirror that of television. So we'll, we'll put we'll ballpark it at 15 to um, anywhere from like 15 to 20 ads an hour. Was like a new metric, ads per hour. I don't know, APR or APH. Um, oh, I can't I think APR is taken. Yeah, yeah, APH, APH, ads per hour. Uh, but think about vertical video. So I've noticed every third to fourth video right now is an ad um, on my feed. And so how many videos can I consume in an hour on vertical video? Well, I mean, let's do the math. Um, let's say on average, I'm watching videos for 20 seconds. Well, that means it's three videos a minute um, times 60 is 180 videos, right? And if every fourth video is an ad, which I think it's actually every third right now, but let's say it's every every fourth video. Um, I want to say it's like, I can't do the math. Help me. <laughs> I, like, I should have been t- writing it down. <laughs> no, it's okay. I should. I, I I did this. I did this math, and I'm like, oh shoot. Um, if the average is 20, I can't do the math. It's it's basically right, double. 3,600 seconds in an hour. Okay, that's that's not what we're looking for. Hold on. Oh, we owe the viewers answer. Um, okay, take three times 60 is is 180, and then divide okay. that by four. Now we got 45. 45. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So what I'm saying is at bare minimum, you're going to see 45 ads per hour on vertical video. At bare minimum. It's at least two and a half times any other platform in history in terms of ad velocity, how much you're going to see. And so I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, and not only that, like how many of those ads, how many of those things that aren't ads are actually just content of influencers or people talking about something that might as well be an ad, right? right. Which you could say for YouTube too, of course. But I'm like, Wow. Like that's what's changed is now the amount it's like we are in an era where the amount of ads people are seeing has gone up 
drastically, which only to me says the bar for making better advertising has to go even higher because you are just gonna be like, skip, 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 skip. You really have like 45 times an hour. And some people are spending two hours a day. They're getting 90 plus ads, you know, just on one platform. That's a lot different than the television days of, you know, we're getting 20 in an hour um, in very concrete blocks. Um, and so I, when you say like, what's changed, that's what's changed the most. And it, and it needs to change people's contact uh, content strategies, um, not just now, but in the future, because to win, it's a whole different game. My fear, and I think what happens here, is just like our attention spans are fried, man. Just it, what it takes to get someone to stop, to, to get the thumb stop, to get them to actually like look at something. Yeah, the, the bar keeps getting higher because we're faced with essentially infinite choice of mm. colors to put in my eyeballs. And my requirement for stopping just keeps getting worse. If you want, like, you know, if you watch just a random person on the train or whatever, like swipe through their phone, you know, just look over the shoulder, be real creepy. Um, like they, a lot, most people, I, they're just like speeding through it. It's like, you better, that first tenth of a second frame better look right or they're not stopping. It's just maddening. Yep. 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 I mean, it, it one, yes. Two, um, I will say, People have, people have always had short attention span or short consideration spans, and they're getting shorter. But I wouldn't say they have short attention spans. Oh, good um, point. That is that is an important difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something that I've been harping on with people because I'm like, no, like uh, the most popular videos in the world on YouTube right now are Mr. Beast 20 minute videos. It's not like people don't want to spend time with something of quality, but you, to your point their consideration spans are incredibly small. And so the, the goal I feel like as a brand should be to create advertising that people want to stop and watch, right? Like how do we create content so good that people know it's an ad and they don't care. They're like, yes, that, the next Dr. Squatch ad is out. I want to see it. Well, that, that's your, that's your secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, that's always been the case. Attention. I mean, you, without it, we got nothing. That is, that is the true currency. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're a smart guy. You've been around the block. What's this? My last question. What's the best advice you've received in your career that, you know, may be applicable for us? You know, I mean, this is, uh, I'm just going to give you, I don't know if this is helpful for anyone out there, but this is just the truth. Um, I have an incredible business partner, Adam Wagner. And, um, when I first was trying to decide, I was three years in the business, trying to decide if I'm going to introduce a partner and do these things. I talked to somebody and um, who had some business partners and they said the best decision they ever did made was, you know, finding someone who was equally invested and partnered in the same values as them. And that that was not a plus, but like a, a multiplicative factor of their success. And uh, it's certainly been the case in, in mine. I wouldn't be on this podcast right now if it weren't for the work Adam's done to structure what we do, to mastermind what we do. Um, and obviously, like any marriage or anything, partnerships can go awry. They can be the worst thing too. But when they go well, they could be the best thing in the world. And it, that that advice changed my life. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I have been uh, the beneficiary of of a great business relationship. Uh, and I've also had them blow up in my face, you know, but I like yeah. the marriage, um, the marriage analogy. I think it's, it's quite apt. So yeah. where 
can people go to learn more about you? What I what if I want one of these these fabulous commercials? Where do I go? I love it. Uh, well, raindrop.agency is our website. Um, and then I'm very active on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and where else? Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok. I'm everywhere. Um, you can't miss me. Uh, just like yourself, Kurt, you're everywhere. And I love it. I love it. I can see <laughs> your content everywhere I go. Thank you. Uh, so we're, I see you're still calling it Twitter. It's not, it's 2024. It's still not X yet. I mean, I'll be one of those people. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's, bad, me, for, it's, I mean, it's, it's bad, bad habit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing it out of protest. I'm just like, never called it X in my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not about to jump on that train. I'm, I'm doing Elon the favor, right? right? He's really <laughs> tanked the brand value here. Like, you're welcome, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, uh, Jacques Spitzer, this, is, <laughs> this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for giving me, uh, well, I'm not going to watch commercials the same way now. That's 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 the best uh, compliment I've received all week. You put that on your put that on your whole page at the bottom. Not gonna watch commercials the same. <laughs> that's right. All right, man. Chuck Thanks Spitzer, for me on. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, bye. I don't know. I write bye. Like is that how you end a podcast? 